Hello you, one of our regular students for Self-Improvement Wednesday. Each week you get to learn something new. Your lesson this week, the power of Indigenous connection to country and the story of an ancient piece of music that was rescued and given new life. Your teacher is Professor Jacqueline Troy, Director of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Research at the University of Sydney. Uh, Jacqueline, good afternoon. Good afternoon. It's lovely to be with you again. This is the story of the snow song, isn't it? Yes, yes. It's uh, a Narugu snow song that can uh, make every skier happy. <laughs> the story, well, the story begins a long time ago in a, in a sense, but the more recent version of the story begins in, in 1834. This is a moment, it may be the first time a piece of music was actually written down in this country. Yes, look, in 1834, John Lotsky came through my country and stopped at a place called Delegate, as it's now known on the Snowy River, in the bend of the river there, and heard uh, women from my community singing this corroboree song, which was a snow increase ceremony song. And it, like the earworm, it stuck in his head and he must have made some notes about the, the words because when he got back to Sydney, he wrote it down and got some musical friends of him to help him put it to music, make a musical arrangement that was more suitable for parlour music, It was as it was known in those days, as sort of something you could play to your friends and sing. And uh, he published it as the first piece of Australian published sheet music. Mm-hmm. He's an interesting figure, isn't he? Variously referred to as, as Polish or, or Austrian. He, he came to this country and explored, talked to people like William Buckley, for instance. One of the few interviews with him is, is by this guy. He's quite a fascinating figure. He was really a, a sort of social activist too. His comment was as he left Sydney, heading down in the direction of our country, Naragu, the Snowy Mountains, Kunamanamaji, as we call it. Um, as he got out of Sydney, he saw fewer and fewer Aboriginal people and that distressed him. He thought that um, it was likely that we were feeling a very strong impact from um, invasion and colonisation of our countries and he was right. Mm. When you, you, you came across this, this annotated uh, score and then you thought, what can we do to make sure it's as original, as close to the original as possible? You tried to, this is an interesting word, cleanse it of its European affectations. That's right. With my colleague Linda Barwick, uh, we're part of an Australian Research Council grant to look into music in, um, of corroborees. And she's a musicologist and her specialisation is looking at what would be typical of for a piece of music. So... In this case, it's a corroboree song, so a southeastern Australian corroboree song, and we know quite a bit about these songs. And she looked at the music and took out all the sort of flourishes, the sort of colourful la-la bits, and um, when she cleaned it of all those sort of typical European elements, it comes back to looking very much like you would expect a southeastern Australian piece of music would look like, um, composed by people from my country and other areas of southeastern Australia. Now, what's Linda... Text, sorry, yeah, I was just going to ask you. Linda's working on the music. You're working on the text, aren't you? That's right. So one of my uh, missions at the moment, I'm a woman on a mission, <laughs> is to um, maybe off the mission, <laughs> is, um, <laughs> uh, is uh, to recover my language, Narugu. There have been people from my community in Victoria and on the south coast of New South Wales who are connected up to us who've... Um, 
been working on the language as well, but my own organisation, community group, Narugu Nations Indigenous Corporation, we're all very keen to speak our language again. So this was uh, one of my first attempts to translate something. So using historical records, as I do, and I have done with, for example, the language of the Sydney area, I was able to recover the what I think is the meaning of the song. It's um, what the text meant, and it's very clearly this snow, snow, bring the snow, and it's calling out to the moon. So at the time of year when this was performed in late March in 1834, we know that there was a full moon at that time, and he said it was performed under the full moon. So this gives me the word gaba is the, the moon, and um, this word um, ku, so we'll all know this, the place called Kuma, that's the snowmaking place. Wow. And our mountain we call Kunama Namaji, that's what's now called Kozushko. Um, we, uh, so we know that this Ku and Ma is a making word. So it's saying snow, come, moon, help us get the snow, bring the snow, keep the snow coming for us. And it repeats and repeats like an incantation might be. So, and it worked <laughs> <laughs> spectacularly. Yes, well, that's right. That's the the end of the story. But let's just stay with the song for a while. So you're using it almost as a kind of Rosetta Stone. You know what it's trying to say, and it allows you to recover some words that you can then maybe apply to, to other texts. That's right. In fact, it's really interesting because um, thinking of this word ku and ma from the word for hand, mara, to make. It's often used as a productive suffix, as we say in linguistics. So kuma is to make snow, the snowmaking place. You go a bit further up the mountain to jindabine, which people would be familiar with. Jinda is a common word in um, languages that the group mine belongs to, the Parmanyungans. Um, jinda meaning star. And jinda ba, ma, making, in, from. So it's the place where stars are made and come from. And that makes sense as you go further up the mountain. And then you hit the high peak, which is literally Kunama, the snowy Namaji mountains. Nama is the word for breasts, <laughs> and G is having them. And what do mountains look like? And G all over the world, Indigenous communities think that mountains look like boobies. So I, I, I don't think you have um, to be so indi- is- you don't have to be indigenous to think that. That's right. That's right. Actually, my daughter driving out of our country one day said to me, "You know, Mum." You're right. They look like boobies. So, yeah, so it's the snowy mountains and you come down to the star-making place. You get to Kuma, the snow make, the beginning of the, the snow line. And then you're looking out at the tinderies, the Jindaderi. That's the star-having ranges. So I like to think this is some kind of song line, really, for my country of snow-making, star-making and scattering of the stars across these ranges so it is it's a little it's a window into helping me as the rosetta stone did very nice analogy mm. now, of course the snow is incredibly important uh, to to current communities around the world but of course to the indigenous communities there because you don't get water in the snowy to do all the things it does unless you get snow in the, in the mountains during the winter before that's right no melt no alpine meadows no moss no lichen None of those um, alpine bogs where the corroboree frog lives. My little totem, the Kosciuszko galaxia that may even have been finished off by the fires, the runoff of the, of the ashes, unfortunately. We don't know yet. But, you know, so many fragile... It's such a fragile environment and it depends so much on 
the melt from the snow. And this is, as you said, the same. I work in northwest Pakistan in the Hindu Kush area. They have more in northwest Pakistan. They have more glaciers than anywhere else in the world. And those are now melting. They keep dropping in on people across their local roads. It's a bit... Yeah, anyway, so that's what's happening all over the world. Gee, what does it feel like to have your... Because I don't, I don't think non-Indigenous people quite understand the totem thing, but try to explain it for us and how you would feel if it does turn out that your totem is extinct. Well, it's it's a really weird feeling because I'm a scientist and an academic um, and I'm Aboriginal and I'm Narugu and I'm high country, snow country. And this little fish only lives in that area. It has for probably millions of years. Um, and it, I, my identity is connected to that small river fish. It's carnivorous. It's obviously strong little fish. I like to think of it having a, you know, a bit of um, pa pa. And, um, you know, it, it's a survivor. Um, but it, most of all, I'm meant to protect it. And Mm-mm-mm. I can't protect it because we're not allowed to live up there all the time anymore. The national parks do a great job of trying to maintain the country, but, it, I, I, we can't burn the country anymore. We can't look after it in the way we used to. And um, so when this devastating fire went through and it may have taken out my totem, does this mean I don't exist anymore? It's, this is the, the thing in, lo- in, the, in the world that is my non-human, if you like, um, animus, mm-hmm. you know? It's my it's a, you're kind of thing a, that it's defines a, me. A kind of an, it's a kind of avatar, isn't it, in, in modern terms, in, in sort of computer terms? Yeah, yeah, and I, um, I really think about it a lot. It's a, an amazing little fish, and you know, it's survived the trout. Um, further down, there are galaxias that the trout have been eating. You know, the introduced fish. Um, it's a real little survivor fish, and it, in some ways, it's a metaphor for the mountains. The mountains are trying to survive through this next extraordinary climate change that we're living through. Which brings us back to snow, because snow will help the mountains and therefore help your, your totem. Having uh, cleansed the, uh, the, 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 the sheet music and found the words and what they meant, you went there, didn't you, and, 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 and performed it again? Well, Linda and I were able to figure out exactly the spot where we're pretty sure uh, Lotsky heard this song performed at a corroboree, and it would have been, you know, one of the last open corroborees of the year. It gets pretty cold down there. And um, so it's on the bend of a river um, just near Dalgetty, the township of Dalgetty, on the bend of the Snowy Mount, snowy River. And we got together, my cousin Peter Waples Crow, who's Narigu, of course, my daughter, Lara, uh, colleagues from Sydney University, including Jacinta Tobin, who's Daruk. So we had... Uh, but very like a corroboree, we had a visitor from another community from Sydney, and we performed this song. And uh, can, uh, I, can, I, can I play a second of it? Uh, please. Before, before you tell us the outcome, we've got to listen to it because that that way we'll uh, we'll know the the message that was being sent up to the skies. <laughs> was your performance in a way uh, heading up to the ears of the spirits what did the spirits do well within two days 
There was the biggest dump of snow that people have seen in <laughs> decades, I think. I think since 1985 or something. And, uh, yes, so all my um, ski bunny friends, you can thank us, uh, opening the ski season with this song. Uh, but not only um, did it snow and keep snowing, we've had amazing um, snow this year. Uh, all of southeastern Australia has had this massive cold snap. And in fact, uh, my mother said yesterday in Canberra, you know, we're up in the mountains here too, it was minus four in the middle of the day. Now, you know, it's so all I can say is um, this is the best non-traditional research output I've ever had. And from an Aboriginal point of view, it works. Forget um, the, why for, am I not surprised? To get the Australian <laughs> Research Council, get, it, get some funding from the Department of Ag. <laughs> Look, I think so. I think that all over Australia we need to be singing the songs of country, understanding country. Best of all, it connects us up, doesn't it? I think you probably enjoyed the same feeling. Like, I'm just waiting for the snow in Sydney now. Exactly. <laughs> Enjoy. And, and I think all of Sydney is hoping your little, your little, uh, your little totem uh, survives. And, and, and thank you for telling us about the song, but also telling us about how totems work and why you feel that you haven't done your job if they, if they, uh, if they, if they suffer, if they become extinct. Uh, Professor Jacqueline Troy, thank you so much for your lesson. Thank you. Wasn't that fascinating? Professor Jacqueline Troy, Director of Indigenous Research at the University of Sydney. You can, of course, listen again to her lesson online, abc.net.au. There you can also subscribe to the free Self-Improvement Wednesday podcast next week. A lesson from Dr. Kirsty Sexel, vet and animal behaviourist. That's Self-Improvement Wednesday next week. <laughs>